Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. As the Kincaid Fire continues burning across Sonoma County, people are starting to worry that PG&E equipment could be to blame again. This comes after one of its high-voltage transmission lines failed just minutes before the fire started. Now, it's still unclear exactly what caused the fire, and there's still a lot to learn, but this is happening at a time when we're all living with PG&E power shutoffs to prevent fires just like this. And if you're like me, then you're thinking there's got to be another option besides fires and blackouts. The question I've heard a lot is, What is it about our electric grid that made it that so many people had to lose power? Yeah, there are other options for PG&E besides these large power shutoffs. And today, we're going to tell you about some of them. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. There's millions of people in California who are very upset about these power outages. I am a survivor of the recent disastrously conceived and implemented shutdown by PG&E, and I am an angry survivor. Lauren Summers, a science reporter with KQED. People that need power for medical devices, people that need power for their businesses and their farms, and there was just a lot of blowback. PG&E is only beholden to their shareholders and that they don't care about how they affect people literally leaving us in the dark. The question I've heard a lot is, what is it about our electric grid that made it that so many people had to lose power? They were people, you know, their power was out. They didn't actually see very high winds around their house. And they were really curious and mad in many cases about why that was. It's because our electric grid works in ways that most of us just don't understand or even think about, right? It's this vast system. It's totally interconnected. And it's not a very smart system. I mean, this is old technology. A lot of our power comes from far away. It's brought in on these huge transmission lines that have to travel a really long ways. And so what happened was there were really high winds maybe in some of these places where the transmission lines were. That's why they cut the power, even though we weren't necessarily feeling it at our houses. There are alternatives to shutting off the power to prevent the next big fire caused by PG&E lines. One option which you often hear people talking about is the most expensive option, burying power lines in the ground. So we know in past fires, when power lines have actually caused them, right, these power lines have been strung in the air, they've broken, or there's been some kind of fault, as they call it, that started the fire. So getting the power lines out of the air is kind of like a natural thing that most people think of, right? Let's just bury them. This redwood is actually troublesome. In the Oakland Hills, Um, I talked to Sasha Von Meyer. So we're here just at the edge of Broadway Terrace, and up along that ridge was the line uh, of defense against the fire. So She's in this really hilly part, steep hillsides, lots of eucalyptus trees, right? 
pretty dangerous fire area. I mean, there's always tree crews out that are, you know, trimming trees, trimming branches and so forth. But the nature of the problem is that, you know, if you miss one in a million trees, you know, you lose. She lost her power for about 24 hours in the in the big outage that was earlier this month. The ice cream got a little soft. But I think unlike a lot of people, she really understood exactly what was going on because she's an electric grid expert at UC Berkeley. I mean, she knows the system. Um, and just a few blocks from her house, the power lines are totally underground. I mean, you look at these houses, you don't see anything in the air. You know, when you look at a network like PG&E's transmission network, that's thousands and thousands of circuit miles of transmission line. Um, And at millions of dollars per mile, that adds up pretty quickly. And then you have um, also kind of a trade-off to look at, which is when power lines are underground, if and when something does go wrong, it's a lot harder to find where the problem is and to go fix it. But they're completely buried because that's the footprint of the 1991 Oakland Hills fire. Scenes of pure terror in the Oakland Berkeley Hills. This really extreme fire. People lost their lives in that fire. And so when PG&E came in to rebuild the grid because the power lines were destroyed, they buried the lines underground. So if PG&E can bury the lines, why don't they just do more of that? Right. A lot of people wonder that. The problem is it's very, very expensive. I mean, estimates are maybe $3 million per mile. Okay, how many miles does PG&E have, do you know? They have about 81,000 miles of overhead lines. Damn. It's a lot of money. The other problems are in an earthquake, underground power lines don't tend to do very well. And then if you just have a basic power outage and and a break in some line and they're underground, you actually have to tear up the entire street to fix it. So it's very expensive to even maintain them. PG&E plans to bury the lines in the city of Paradise, which was destroyed by the campfire in Butte County last year. But it's not the only option. And in fact, there is a cheaper option. It's called a smart grid. So there's a lot of new technology that is smart grid technology that utilities are just starting to use and could actually make a big difference in making these outages maybe smaller or less frequent or just making the power lines safer. So what is a smart grid then? So the smart grid is is if we have a dumb grid right now, (laughs) the utilities just don't know what's happening. A line could break Uh and they would know maybe the general area, but Hmm. they wouldn't know exactly where. That's crazy. And so the smart grid uses things like sensors and real-time data to actually tell the utility what's happening. So one of the ways they could do it is with something called synchrophasers. It's kind of Star Trek. Word of the future, yeah. (laughs) Basically, they're, they're sensors on power lines, like many of them, throughout the system that give the utilities lots of information about what's happening, what's down. But the thing that they could really help with is, say a power line breaks, right? Sometimes it will break and hit the ground. And that's a really big fire danger, especially if it maybe lands in some dry grass. Synchrophasers could sense that break and shut it down within milliseconds. The power would be off. And so when the line hits the ground, the fire risk isn't there because there's no power in the line. This is something that San Diego Gas and Electric is doing, and I spoke to Caroline Caroline Wynn, um, Chief Operating Officer at San Diego Gas and Electric. They had a really big wake-up call as a utility in 2007. Fires raged earlier today as the wind swept embers across neighborhoods and sparked even more flames. We had over 500,000 customers evacuated 
including many of us. We had friends, family, employees that lost their homes. So it was really personal for all of us. They've been a little bit more aggressive in trying to figure out how can we prevent them in the future, um, maybe ahead of the other utilities in California. We've really shifted from being ultra focused on keeping the lights on, you know, as the most important attribute to keeping our community safe. And it, you know, because it was so personal to us, we knew we had to do things differently. So how successful has the smart grid been in cities like San Diego? Um, In San Diego, they feel very confident that it has reduced the risk of fires. I mean, when I spoke to Caroline Wynn, she said this stuff is vital towards making the grid work in San Diego. But of course, you don't necessarily know what fires you didn't start. Having these high-speed devices that are intelligent and smart and that can take action is is the only way that I believe that we can, you know, effectively manage the grid in the future. So it sounds like the smart grid's been successful in places like San Diego. Why why hasn't PG&E implemented a smart grid here in the Bay Area in Northern California? Well, they say they're, they're starting to do it. PG&E says they're testing that technology in a lab. It's not in the field yet. Um, they're trying to work on their reclosers as well. Um, but you, we just get the sense that PG&E is a little bit behind the curve. And certainly there's a lot of interest and a lot of scrutiny now that may speed some of these things up. There are some other solutions, too, like microgrids, which would allow PG&E to target smaller areas so that we wouldn't see these mass power shutoffs. But doing all of this stuff costs a lot of money. Lauren says PG&E's power grid hasn't changed much because it's cheaper to keep it the way it is, and people don't like paying big utility bills. But it's kind of ironic that what's happening now is that people are paying the cost of PG&E not having a good enough power grid. How do we pay for something like this is a huge question that's really challenging. Do you pay now? Do you pay later? Lauren Summer is a KQED science reporter. The Bay was produced this week by Julia Scott, Sandia Dirks, and Erica Cruz-Guevara. KQED's leadership team is repped by Julie Kane, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for The Bay. We'll talk to you next week. Synchrophasers Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it. We need a better conversation about the latest biggest election of our lives. On Pod Save America, me and my co-host cut through the noise to help you figure out what matters and how you can help. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, Pod Save America is breaking down the political news that makes us laugh, cry, and snap our laptops in half expensive year for laptops. Make sure to check out new episodes of Pod Save America on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel now. A young correctional officer. He said it was the most dangerous prison in California. Forced to make a choice. Fulfill his oath or back his fellow officers. Recognize the badge of my office. I'm Suki Lewis from KQED Podcasts comes on our watch season two. New Folsom. A story about who gets hurt when the system that promises to keep us safe is bent on protecting itself. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts.